what separates a philosophy from a conspiracy theory, do you think? Conspiracy theory is something that is believed to be true. A philosophical um, idea or a theory is something that you think about, you speculate, and you and you wonder if that could possibly be the case, but you don't assume anything, you don't give anything for granted. I think that the key word there is, is the assumption, right? Um, philosophy does follow a rigorous process, right? So even though it's not science, you, we're not conducting experiments and doing those sorts of things. We are thinking about something, and then we're within the framework of logic trying to form thoughts about it. Um, whereas, like you said, conspiracy theories make a lot of assumptions about things. You know, rather than looking at what the most logical explanation is, or rather trying to find evidence that disproves something, you're more looking for the answers that you want to find, the things that you want to hear. Conspiracy theories, they draw from an ancestral need for explanations. As a person, you need to make sense of what's happening around you. You need to have something or someone to blame to relieve stress and pressure from, from yourself and from your inability to understand what's going on. So in, in the past, like when the cavemen were seeing like uh, lightnings, they were going, ah, oh, this must be the gods, because like how else would you explain what's going on? and your mind goes at peace and the same is it's happening here like people simply don't know things and they need to cope with the unknown <laughs> it's part of human nature um to want to have the answers right we have this ability to do this higher level thinking and you know and beyond that you know our sensory experience um, defines so much of what we consider reality. If you see lightning and you don't understand the, uh, you know, the climate processes that created it and, and all of the things that go into making lightning, you're not just going to sit there shocked. You're going to try to develop an answer in order to, in order to cope with the fact that you don't have that knowledge, right? And that's where the conspiracy theories sort of come in. Um, What's interesting about it is that, you know, understanding is is a pretty fragile thing. And comprehension isn't discrete either. There's there's kind of levels of of comprehending, right? So you and I are sitting here having this conversation and um, we're both speaking English, but when I'm putting together a sentence, what I'm saying, um, I know exactly what I'm saying, formulating the words that are that are coming out. But you might hear those same words and be interpreting what's being said differently, right? So, so the level of comprehension can be a little bit different. I think it's the same thing with a lot of scientific, um, scientific media, right? People, people start reading about scientific uh, media, and especially over the past hundred years, you know. A couple hundred years ago, it was possible to know everything there was to know and, and to comprehend it on some level. Um, but, you know, really over the past 60, 100 years, um, science has gotten to such a point where scientists are having a hard time communicating to lay people what it is that they're discovering in a way that normal people can comprehend. And I think when the normal people can't comprehend the advanced things that, that are being discussed, that's when they start to doubt it and they start to come up with some of these conspiracy theories about 
pick your, you know, take your pick, right? Vaccines or, or climate or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Right. Um, so it's really wild. And, and, you know, human humans have a limited amount of computational power, right? Our brains can only handle so much information. And, uh, the fact of the matter is that there's just so much more to know out in nature than, uh, what we can, what we can make sense of. Reality is the product of the sum of all all of our sensorial perceptions, which means that it's potentially different for everyone, but at the same time, it is for sure completely different for creatures who have different senses. Like if you think about bats, they have um, ultrasounds. To them, the same world where we live in must feel and look completely different because we have different different senses. And this makes me rethink and redefine concept of what reality is entirely because it's extremely it it becomes uh subjective we already struggle at understanding each other when we speak the same language and when we use the same words because the meaning that we give to each word is established uh, as a norm but it's also arbitrary so the same word to me could have a different nuance or a different meaning than it has to you and in the future, we might be able to start using devices with our brain to the point that when you when you are able to send a text message to another person with your mind, because you can control your cell phone with your brain, at that point, we become virtually uh, telepathic. By that point, what use humans would have for um, spoken words? Like if you can, if we can communicate just with our thoughts, why would we need to talk out loud and once we don't need to talk out loud then i think we would lose the need for words themselves concepts are not the words if we can communicate concepts without using the words we just skip the middleman what do you feel about words in general as a are they the most efficient way of communicating no, I don't think so at all, um, especially when you have as many languages as humans have, right? Um, the fascinating thing about words is that they're attempting to capture um, a certain experience or a certain kind of knowledge, um, and you're trying to encapsulate it in something that is completely abstract, right? Why does the word tree represent a tree? And moreover, to what point does it, right? When, when I say a tree, well, how, how small can a tree be before it's a bush? When I say it, it might mean something completely different from when somebody else says it. So language, no. Language is, um, I, think it's, I think it's a very inefficient way of expressing thoughts. Um, but I do see us, you know, outside of a large technological advance, have a hard time seeing us getting away from it um for that reason um you know that's just how we communicate but at the same time some of it is kind of happening you know there's been studies done that have shown that since the 1950s um you know back in the 1950s we had about a 50 to 60,000 word vocabulary and nowadays it's about 5,000 so you, you we've lost about 90% of our words um as they've fallen out of style or or this sort of thing or, or maybe it's that we're finding new ways to express them through technology, right? 
if we have we have so much um, so many ways of visually representing what we're trying to do or so many ways of you know there's there's so many different ways of communicating emojis um, yeah exactly that that some of these words are they no longer seem necessary but um i mean i, I think really what it comes down to when you're trying to understand things beyond human comprehension what it boils down to is that consciousness and knowledge and meaning these are all things that are beyond human comprehension we don't know how people are conscious um we don't know if you actually can know anything at all um like we talked about earlier we don't know if there is a meaning to life so i think that um that's the thing is once you start um philosophically examining things it's sort of a humbling experience because um people like to think that they have answers and what you find out is that man i really don't know anything at all <laughs>